You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The truth is, the identity politics movement is the reason Brittany Griner is caught in a Cold War game that used to be reserved for men only. She's a victim of the feminist movement that states there's no difference between Brittany Griner and John McCain, the now deceased Vietnam War prisoner turned politician. The feminist movement redefined the rules of engagement. We no longer protect women and children first. We marked Griner and other women as fair game. Now we will pay an inflated price for her release. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Friday. We made it. We made it through another week. I didn't shave all week. What do you think? Uh, do I look crazy with this gray beard? Does the gray beard match my dyed uh, hair? No, uh, but I'm not the only one uh, that does that. But anyway, uh, you know, hop in the comments and tell me what you think of my unshaven look. Good, bad, indifferent. Uh, Fantastic show planned for you today. We got a lot of fearless soldiers coming in. Uh, Steve Kim's gonna be here, Royce White's gonna be here, Maz Ture, Shamika Michelle, Delano Squires. Uh, we're just gonna, gonna go on a march. All these soldiers on a march through uh, a bunch of little different topics that I think are somewhat uh, connected. I wanna talk about Brittany Griner, Alex Jones. Uh, who am I forgetting? Brittany Griner, Alex Jones, Breonna Taylor. Uh, so sparks should be flying today because I'm not sure if everybody's going to agree with everything I have to say today, but uh, let's get it rolling. Let's get the party started. And uh, then we'll hear the drumbeat of soldiers coming through the fearless march as we march towards truth, justice, and the American way. All right, uh, racism and sexism do not explain the national indifference to the sad plight of Brittany Griner, the WNBA player imprisoned in Russia. Thursday, a Russian court sentenced Griner to nine years in prison for attempting to carry a small amount of hashish oil into the country. A crime that would provoke a slap on the wrist here in America could dramatically alter the course of the 31-year-old two-time Olympian's life. Griner has already spent more than 150 days jailed in a foreign country. She's a hostage in a geopolitical dispute between Russian President Vladimir Putin and the regime backing American President Joe Biden. Griner is a pawn Putin has walked across the chessboard and plans to turn into a queen capable of forcing the United States into releasing terrorist kings. America should be writhing in empathy for Brittany Griner. Instead, we're mostly indifferent. Why? The answer is complicated. Race and sex play a role, but not in the way Griner's loudest supporters argue. 
in an attempt to pressure the Biden administration, Griner's WNBA coach Vanessa Nygaard played all of the identity cards. Take a listen. If it was LeBron, he'd be home, right? Yeah, it does. It's a it's a statement about the value of women. It's a statement about the value of a black person. It's a statement about the value of a gay person. Um, all of those things, and uh, we we know it. And so that's what hurts a little more. The truth is the identity politics movement is the reason Griner's caught in a Cold War game that used to be reserved for men only. She's a victim of the feminist movement that states there's no difference between Brittany Griner and John McCain, the now deceased Vietnam War prisoner turned politician. The feminist movement redefined the rules of engagement. We no longer protect William, women and children first. We mark Griner and other women as fair game. Now we will pay an inflated price for her release. The United States has offered a convicted arms dealer for Griner and a U.S. Marine, Paul Whelan. That's a really bad deal for America. It's only being offered because Griner is black, gay, and a woman. And the regime backing Biden is a slave to identity politics. Russia knows this. That's why, according to reports, they're insisting America sweeten an already bad deal. Putin wants America to involve Germany in the trade. Germany holds a convicted murderer that Putin wants thrown into the Griner trade. This is embarrassing. It partially explains the indifference to Griner's plight. The rest of the explanation resides in our own corrupt justice system. It's difficult to muster outrage at the unfairness and harshness of the Russian courts when our own system has fully embraced a harshness and one-sided political motivation. We're no better than Putin and Russia. Our courts and media have defined Trump supporters as insurrectionists and terrorists. We jailed a 69-year-old grandmother with cancer for 60 days because she attended the January 6th protest. She took videos while trespassing in the Capitol. She did nothing violent. A policeman murdered Ashley Babbitt on January 6th and has been lauded as courageous. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed. She posed no threat. On the same day Russia sentenced Griner, our Department of Justice announced the arrest of four Louisville police officers for violating the civil rights of Breonna Taylor. It's a tragedy what happened to Taylor. But her boyfriend shot a police officer before the officers fired into her apartment and killed her. You can argue her boyfriend thought the police were intruders. Okay, but let's say it was his next door neighbor banging on the door and the boyfriend mistakenly thought it was an intruder and shot the neighbor. The boyfriend would be charged with criminal negligence. Banging on a door does not justify shooting whoever is on the other side of the door. The boyfriend has faced no charges. Meanwhile, the police officers who responded to being shot at are facing prison time. Our court systems are a mess. There's no consistent logic or set of laws driving what we see from our courts. This includes our civil courts. I don't fully comprehend what's happening to Alex Jones. 
A politically motivated judge appears to be crucifying Jones in civil court because he uncorked a loony opinion on the Sandy Hook school shooting. Thursday, a jury awarded two Sandy Hook parents $4.1 million in damages for Jones's contention that the school shooting was a hoax. I don't have a problem with Jones facing consequences for spreading a myth that caused people to harass the parents of Sandy Hook. My problem is with the judge seeming to assist the prosecution of Jones. It creates the appearance that she doesn't like Jones's politics. When everything is politics, we lose empathy for all political prisoners. The indifference to Brittany Griner's plight is matched by the indifference to Alex Jones's plight. That's my fire. Mm. Uh, let's get right to it. Let's bring in the Korean Cosell, uh, Steve Kim, so we can get this party rolling and get these soldiers in, in here. Uh, Steve, I know you're <laughs> at the height of the indifference uh, to Brittany Griner. You have been on the record that you don't care. Uh, what do you think of my argument that part of your indifference is there's so much hypocrisy in the American justice system that it makes you lose sympathy for anybody uh, that is a victim of an unjust system anywhere on the globe? And, and so I, I think it's I think your indifference has is more than just, hey, I really don't care about WNBA players. Hey, uh, Brittany Griner uh, had some anti-American sentiment. I, I, I just think when you lose faith in our own criminal justice system, it's hard to wag a finger at someone else's criminal justice system. It's not just one thing, it is everything. Um, and it's hard to quantify which factors really play the most in terms of someone's attitudes towards any any subject, especially this one, you know, and you bring up a good point. It's funny when uh, Kamala Harris says certain things about how it's unfair for Brittany Griner. Uh, she has a long history of locking people up for marijuana offenses. I, I find that to be incredibly hypocritical uh, and a lack of self-awareness, which seems to be her trademark. But this is what really has driven my uh, belief that I don't care is that I'm seeing these tweets from various A-list celebrities or A-list media members listing why we should care about Miss Griner, that she was an all-American, that she's an all-star, she's a mother, she's a lesbian, she's black, she's female. And my response is, doesn't matter, don't care, don't really, really care. Uh, that has nothing to do with anything. What's that got to do with the price of tea in China? It doesn't matter. Uh, it, we, I truly believe this, that... The heart of the American populace is being affected by the policies of the government. We have incredibly high gas prices. The economy has been flagging, rising rents. People don't want to be told what to care about. I think there's a lot of programming here with certain members of the media and the elite telling us why we should care. And if we don't, then we're either racist or misogynistic or homophobic. And there comes a point in time where we have the right not to give a damn. And that's the God's honest truth. I almost feel like starting a hashtag in response to free BG. Don't care about BG. Because guess what? You're allowed not to care. Uh, and especially about someone who has espoused 
anti-American rhetoric, who now, for some reason, seems to be getting special treatment going to the front of the line of the Russian prison system. And now there's a trade. And not only is the trade lopsided, now, now, now they want to throw in another war crime to be named later and a couple of future missiles. Sorry, none of this sits well with me. I, I agree with you. I think people aren't acknowledging the lopsidedness of this trade and the fact, again, because we all of our discussions here are very dishonest and we leave out the uncomfortable truth, but if Brittany Griner were heterosexual and just the average white or black girl over in Russia, we wouldn't be talking about giving up an arms dealer and maybe throwing in a murderer in Germany she would be getting treated like Paul Whelan, uh, who's been sitting in a, a, a Russian prison for many years without us offering up arms dealers and murderers from around the country. It, it's the fact that she's a woman, that she's gay, and that she's black, that we're even offering up these people in this trade. And I think that bothers people because they're sitting there saying, well, hold on, I'm not black, I'm not gay, uh, I'm not a woman, so they wouldn't be making this deal for me. And, and I think that rightfully bothers a lot of people and makes them indifferent. And, and this is like the, the scourge or the unintended consequences or maybe the intended consequences of all this identity politics. Russia, in my view, knew exactly who they were targeting. They wanted the black gay woman because our culture has placed a high value. You know, this is why Stacey Abrams and any other uh, black lesbian is being uh, positioned as the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, and it puts more political pressure on the Biden administration to, to do a deal that will jeopardize the safety of Americans all over the world who are traveling perhaps in countries with adversarial relationships with, with America. Now everybody's more in jeopardy, including women. Because I'm t before 20 years ago, Russia would never do this to a woman. It was like, uh, you know, we'll lock up men and, and Marines and, and people like that unfairly. But, you know, some random woman, no dice. You know, it's like the mafia. Leave women and children out of it. They're not a part of it. But the whole feminist movement has said, look, women are fear game. They're right in there with John McCain. And so Brittany Griner's paying the price for that. Well, a few things. Number one, if I was in her position, Brittany Griner would not care. And by the way, that would be her right. That would be her absolute right, and I would understand it. Second of all, anyone that brings up her WNBA status, uh, I would refer back to Bill Burr. None of you have ever cared about it. You don't care about it. Now you're using it as a talking point. But this is my biggest point with modern-day activism. You'll talk about it. You'll guilt and shame others into at least theoretically supporting you. Then you do a hashtag or a T-shirt and then if you don't agree with me, I'm going to whine about it and point the finger at you being a racist or, again, a misogynist or homophobic. And then nothing else. 
Jay, when you had a friend or a Ball State alumnus who was a prisoner in China, I don't recall you doing a lot of broadcasting about that situation, whining and crying. You didn't have a free my buddy from Ball State hashtag. You know what you did? You actually took money out of your pocket and you did something about it. That's real activism. That actually mattered. That played a part in his release. That, to me, is something that should be admired, not what's going on with the Kerry champions of the world. And the other part that's really interesting to me is um, we are being told, this, see, this is the whole thing about the programming. If we were not told to care, none of us would care. I don't think most people have anything against Brittany Griner for the most part. They really don't. They got their own lives. They have to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. They take a shower. They go to a job that they hate. They have to sit through traffic. They sit in a cubicle all day. Then they got to go back to traffic for two hours, hoping that the last Coors Light is still cold in the refrigerator and that their uh, spouse has a good dinner for them. That's what they care about. And And it's a terrible existence for a lot of people, but they soldier on as Americans and they make their contributions. And that's it. They, yet, yet somehow now our thoughts and prayers are supposed to be with Brittany Griner. It makes no sense. It's just nonsensical to me. Thank you, Steve. Great job as always. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, we're going to bring Maj Torre and, and Royce White in here to follow up. We're going to talk a little bit about Breonna Taylor, a little bit about Alex Jones with those guys. Before we do any of that, uh, I want to talk about Blaze Socks. The Blaze Patriotic Sock Packs They're back. At the end of last year, we released a limited supply of Let's Go Brandon socks. Well, you spoke and we listened. So back by popular demand, we have new limited edition socks just in time for the primaries and back to school shopping. There are two sock packages and stylish drink covers to keep your beverages cool and patriotic. If you can't decide which package to choose from, then get both. If you do, we'll throw in a free bonus set of socks and an additional set of drink covers with a discount off the full purchase. These socks are made in America from start to finish. The materials, the production, and packaging are all 100% American. For our Blaze TV subscribers, we want to thank you for your continued support, so we're sweetening the pot. Use the promo code BLAZESUB for 20% off your purchases. That code is only available to Blaze TV subscribers. You must use the email address associated with your Blaze TV subscription to snag this discount. Not a subscriber? No problem. Subscribe to Blaze TV now and use promo code FEARLESSSOCKS to save on both your Blaze TV subscription and get 20% off these limited edition socks. Go to blazesocks.com to scope out the socks. Hurry though, these are limited edition. Get them now at Blaze Socks before they're gone. Royce White, Eric's. All right, let's roll out to Minneapolis and uh, bring in Royce White, who can help me understand uh, the Alex Jones trial. Uh, A jury ordered Alex Jones to pay $4 million to uh, Sandy Hook parents. Uh, I I put this out over my Twitter feed that I I don't fully understand what's going on with Alex Jones. He he had uh, an opinion that was clearly wrong about Sandy Hook's Sandy Hook being a hoax and there was no school shooting and they were all crisis actors. He was wrong. I I didn't understand how on an internet show who's a conspiracy guy 
putting out a bad conspiracy could land you in civil court uh, with a judge who clearly has a bias against you. And this all seemed like an overall strategy to silence and finally shut up Alex Jones, who's been right about a lot of things. The one thing that he's wrong on, he's getting hung on. Someone pointed out to me something I did not know at the time yesterday when I tweeted it out. I was like, hey, look, Jason, uh, his pushing of this conspiracy theory provoked some of his followers or people into harassing the Sandy Hook parents, and which caused them emotional harm and damage. And I was like, aha, that's a moment where I said, okay, I get it. And so he's, maybe he does need to pay the consequences for promoting an, uh, an opinion that potentially caused some harm and damage to these Sandy Hook parents. Uh, but I want a deeper understanding. I want to talk to someone that knows Alex Jones. And so uh, Royce White, uh, welcome back to the show. And, and give me, help me understand and help the audience understand what you think is going on with Alex Jones and the, because the, I think there's other lawsuits from other parents, and this is going to be a continuation. I think they're going to try to take all of Alex Jones's money. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think there are three uh, spearheads of the true America first movement in media. And you're one of them. Uh, Steve Bannon is one. Alex Jones is one. Um, and, and these are voices that have that have uh, genuine power, genuine revolutionary power in the message and the courage and their ability to convey uh, the, the, the broader understanding of the attack on the American people and just humanity at, at large. And I think they're trying to silence Alex the same way they're trying to silence Steve and any other dissidents. I think each each of their cases is unique and Alex's cases is, is obviously unique. I, I don't think that he would argue that he was wrong with the Sandy Hook situation. But but here's the bigger here's the bigger play for the government and the establishment. They've and, and we saw this with Edward Snowden. We saw this, you know, articulated through Julian Assange and many other whistleblowers. They've set up a game where in order to pursue the truth, number one, you run the risk of looking crazy and they can say you're crazy for putting forward a story that doesn't have a bunch of evidence to substantiate it. And what the government has done, traditionally, CIA, FBI, many other agencies, have blacked out information that you would need in order to uh, substantiate the claims around what they say are conspiracy theories. But really, there are genuine conspiracies, and Alex Jones has been right about a number of those conspiracies, although he was wrong about Sandy Hook. Um, I, think, I think the spirit of what he was trying to convey, even in that case, is right. Is, is that there, is a, there are government agencies and propaganda machines who have openly said we should not miss a, a chance to use an op or, uh, a crisis for our benefit, for our agenda. And, and that could be a school shooting. It could be a false flag war. It could be a proxy war. It could be drug trap. Whatever the narrative is, we should question it. Alex Jones has continued to say that over 20 years, and they use this one time to try and drop an anvil on him. What would be the fair thing? What should happen to Alex Jones for being wrong about Sandy Hook? I, I don't think, I mean, look, when you're out there treasure hunting and you dig up a thousand holes, you know, you, you, how can you be penalized? The whole thing is to try and disincentivize people from treasure hunting in the first place and pursuing the truth. And and this is the argument about free free speech that I would even, look, if a, if a, 
if a white man, uh, the, the KKK, any of these real right wing extremist groups that are openly racist and say Jews will not replace us or blacks will not replace us, people of that nature, if they openly say, hey, listen, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, the black people there should be exterminated. My feeling, let them say it. Because the protection of freedom of speech is more important than trying to censor and, and, and police people's morality through the law. So this is a fundamental argument in America about the, the, the value of freedom of speech versus how much we think the government can protect us by disincentivizing certain speech. I don't think Alex Jones should have um, any, any type of financial penalty. Now, you know, I think he won this case. They wanted 300 million, 200 million. He ended up having to pay for. That's a win for Alex Jones. I think he'll be able to survive that. I think they'll try to continue to railroad Infowars because it's the tip of the spear when it comes to, to, to um, misinformation and, and, and sorting out what the, the globalists are trying to do. Um, but, you know, may, maybe he should have to um, give some restitution. He should have to openly apologize. He should have, but he's already done some of those things. So this is a financial attack on InfoWars. This has nothing to do with Alex Jones, and it has nothing to do with those parents or those children. The same way many times the family court has nothing to do with the benefit of American children is to create strife between men and women and subvert the family. This is how the establishment plays. And so you've connected Steve Bannon and Alex Jones, and, and I think you're right. Steve Bannon is another guy that they're trying to silence, perhaps even trying to send to jail over yeah. January 6th, which just seems crazy. And so uh, I, I said earlier this week that America has reduced the rewards for speaking truth to power and amplified the consequences for speaking truth to power. And so when I see what's going on with Alex Jones and Steve Bannon, they're trying to send smoke signals out to everybody else, to me, to you, to Tucker Carlson, to anybody else, to Glenn Beck, to anybody else like, I don't care how much money you got, I don't care how big of an audience you got, I don't care you can be got to, and then it's a message to the younger people, don't you dare follow in their footsteps, hop on board with Big Pharma and the global message, that's where the money is, that's where you know security is for you and your family, dishonesty, there's more rewards for dishonesty and not looking for the truth than there is for and, and that, that, for me, for somebody that's 55, joined the media industry in 1990, that's what blows me away, is that when I got involved in 1990, there were still a lot of rewards for seeking the truth. There was more rewards, I felt, for pursuing the truth than uh, you know, representing the establishment, and they've turned that completely upside down. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's, it's a war against the truth. That, that is a, a part of the war against God. It's a rejection of God. It's a rejection of the logos. It's a rejection of the natural order. It's rejection of people being able to have individual sovereignty. And, and, and the reality is, this is what will continue to get worse as long as we have big government and political oligarchy. All of these cases that are being brought, I mean, and they're coming right out and saying it. 
If you go read the uh, the House resolution that was put forward that Alex Jones spoke about two weeks ago, uh, I think it's H.R. 4350, um, they're openly saying that the United States military should have uh, the, the autonomy to run operations against American citizens that are deemed radical or, or extremist. And, and in there, they, they literally list the right-wing extremist conservative movement. And, what, and, and in that, they mean everybody from Steve Bannon all the way out to, uh, uh, you know, the furthest, you know, open KKK member you could imagine. I mean, that's just a big pool of people for the American government to say, is to, to, to basically suspend American rights and say, you know, persona non grata. And if you step forward or step out of line, we have the right to, to come jail you, persecute you, silence you, take your money. Um, these these are the most dangerous times I feel in American history as a black man, but as a, a believer in America and our values and our Constitution. I feel more in danger now than than I could uh, theoretically saw myself in the days of slavery, even in the in the days before the Civil Rights Act. These are the most dangerous times for a, a freedom loving American in American history, because the government has consolidated power and they are a. They are an extension of an even bigger power. I mean, the American government itself is a is a is a monolith. But then you got the global agenda that that connects all of the dots. You got the five eyes, right? I mean, you got NATO, you got the UN, you got the World Health Organization, you got the climate groups. I mean, these people's power is getting to be, um, um, you know, so grandiose. The American citizens should be in the streets today. And then we had a primary in Arizona, God bless Kerry Lake, and they had a 30% turnout in the Republican side. What are you people doing? What are we waiting on? And so the Alex Joneses are the ones who set the alarms and say, you people have to get active and get serious about where this country is going. And the best defense they have to preserve a corrupt status quo is to silence Alex Jones. They want to kill him, but they'll settle for, for bankrupting Infowars. Final question. Uh, I want to connect it to what I was arguing just a bit ago about Brittany Griner. And, and I connect it and say that there's an indifference about the plight of Brittany Griner because our justice system seems so corrupt yep. that it's hard to muster outrage at Russia's corrupt system. It's like, well, I'm going to be mad at them when. when they're putting a 69-year-old grandmother with cancer in jail for two months for taking pictures inside the Capitol on January the 6th. And so I'm just like, I get why people are indifferent about Brittany Griner because Russia's corruption doesn't seem any worse than ours. Well, well listen, yes, I 100% agree with you, but, but this, this, is a, this is a three-card Monty. Your indifference can't bring about inaction. It can't birth inaction. It can't be the, the grounds for inaction. Um, to see the corruption in both should motivate you, should motivate you to participate fully as a citizen in the many ways that you can, economically, politically, uh, culturally, socially, religiously, so on and so forth. And, and the Brittany Griner situation, look, we're at war. We're at war with a country that's not a little... First of all, people don't want to mention the fact that Donald Trump got out two black celebrities from trouble they were in. One, the Ball brother, who was caught up in China, 
uh, and, and also ASAP Rocky when he was caught in Sweden. Now, it's a different situation with Russia because we weren't in an open war with China and we weren't in an open war with Sweden. But the, the, the bigger point is this. Do I, I think Brittany Griner was, was being dumb. I mean, I think what she did was, was completely stupid. I think the Russian government and Putin are using it to, to poke America. As they should, because those are the rules of engagement that most citizens don't understand. If we catch one of your celebrities, we're going to hold her and we're going to ask for something in return. Now, I think we should get Brittany Griner back because I think how we look on the world stage from a power standpoint has ramifications well beyond Brittany Griner. Now, I also would say that those other prisoners of war that are caught in Russia, we should do well to get out. Um, our American government is soft. They're cucks. We have a cuck society growing and, and, and springing out and overflowing in America. And their resolution is, we're not going to work to get out everybody. We may get out Brittany Griner because our voter base has an outcry about LGBTQ and black women. That's corrupt. That's corrupt in its premise. But from a military standpoint and from a national honor standpoint and national pride, it, 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 is, it is not in my opinion, it's not okay to allow Russia to play this out on Brittany Griner individually because uh, uh, the, the level and the weight of what they're throwing on her legally certainly has implications because we're in a proxy war. And, and all of us know that. Um, now, was Brittany Griner dumb? Of course, of course. And they're not doing it to her or they're not, not going to get her because she's black or LGBTQ. They're not going to get her because they're cucks. They, they have no spine. Joe Biden is not a wartime president. The people who hit Kamala Harris, God forbid, if Joe Biden never went, you know, passed away and Kamala Harris was in charge, this country would be in imminent danger from our enemies. These people do not have a real concept of what it takes to protect a country because they don't want to have a country. They are okay with being a piggy bank to the party of Davos, and they are okay with being a tributary state to the CCP and the Chinese. Uh, I can't do any better than that. I'm going to let you go. Great job. Uh, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications. Hit subscribe. Hey, email us. Let us know your feedback at fearless at, at theblaze.com. Uh, that's email. You can email me directly. Fearless at theblaze.com. All right. Uh, stick around. Don't go anywhere. Uh, All right, let's roll out to Philadelphia and bring in uh, Maj Ture uh, to cap off our discussion about uh, Brittany Griner, Alex Jones, and Breonna Taylor. Uh, I'm expecting this to be a little spirited. I think Maj and I see the Breonna Taylor thing uh, a bit differently, I think, uh, based off tweets I've seen from uh, Maj. And so, Maj, I I I'm not uh, someone that uh, is thrilled that the four Louisville police officers are being charged you know, by the Department of Justice for violating Breonna Taylor's uh, civil rights. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Her boyfriend uh, shot at and hit a police officer first. I think that in, if we walked it back 30 years, 
her boyfriend would be, if anybody was going to get charged with her murder, it would be her boyfriend uh, for sparking it. Uh, and and I, I've just never had any respect for the way the boyfriend handled the situation. There's no way in hell my woman's walking to the front door with me if I think there's trouble uh, on the other side of that door. She's going to hang back in the, in, in the house in bed while I go see what's going on here. Felt like he walked her into harm's way, did something irresponsible, uh, caused the police to, to shoot inside that bed. I, I feel like he cost her her life. And I don't, I don't get why uh, these police officers are being charged. And so anyway, uh, your reaction. So uh, they, first and foremost, he didn't make a good bad tactical decision as a non-trained firearms owner is one thing. Law enforcement officers that are supposed to train, even though they mostly qualify, they should know not to shoot rounds into a house or lie about how they're actually going to get this warrant. I, I knew you might see these things a little bit different than me. So I came up with a list of the lies that these particular officers do. And I want to be clear here. These type of officers that lie to get something done make it more difficult for actual law enforcement officers that really want to protect and serve the community because now they, they, they do a horrible job of fostering more, you know, community citizen relations. Um, so first, body cams were deactivated just randomly. For some reason, all of the arresting officers going to execute this warrant just seem to not turn their body camera footage off. Strange, but not all the way criminal, but it's something to be looked at. Second, they lied to obtain the warrant. That's what this Department of Justice investigation that's been going on for over a year now. That's what they, they've looked into. These officers lied to get this actual warrant. OK, now this indictment comes after a separate indictment and a separate, excuse me, investigation by the then attorney, uh, I think his name uh, is uh, Daniel Cameron. So Hankinson, the officer that was initially charged, that this in federal indictment comes after the Republican, because I would even question that if it was a Democrat attorney general. The Republican Democrat attorney general then says, I'm going to charge this guy, Hankinson, right? Then after they lied to get the actual affidavit, the warrant, because there were some officers that were not charged. They were not charged because they were under the pretense that all of the information on this warrant was lawful, right? It was obtained lawfully or honestly. But the ones that lied about it then lied about the cover up about it. Then we have the other guy, uh, I think it's uh, Joshua James, that second officer lied and said that he saw packages going to Breonna Taylor's house from Kenneth Walker. So you already have three issues of, we go from looking strange and body camera footage to lies that this Department of Justice uh, investigation shows up. Then Sergeant Kyle Meany, who led the unit in handling this situation, he signed off on the affidavit or the warrant knowing that it was a lie. So you have back to back to back to back strange things and then outright lies that this year long investigation presents. And that is the reason why they're being charged. So I would normally say, hey, man, I would agree with you. I would say, I, actually, I do agree with you on, on the status of we have a plan in my home if something strange happens at the door. We have a plan of attack, but I train. So on one level, I agree that you don't go to the door with your girl, and I understand that. But the reality is, if those officers aren't lying to get the affidavit, 
that was proven that Kenneth Walker was not a drug dealer. All of these up, that's the person that she used to date, right? If they, they don't put them in that scenario, they don't then go into after they were told, after they were told, identify. And they'll say, well, we did identify ourselves. But you know what would prove that? Camera footage. But magically, all of you guys turned off your camera footage. So there's strange things and then there's dishonesty. The problem here is we as the American people aren't allowed to lie to agents of the state or the government, but they can lie to us. They were told to uh, inform so forth and so on. They did not. They have no proof of their argument. They rammed the door in. And in ramming that door in, any American with a firearm, and I'm not saying it is the best tactical move, firearms are to protect your house. And if someone's kicking in my door and or so forth and so on, if I'm on my couch and someone kicks in my door, I have a firearm handy. If you haven't identified yourself as police, there's nothing for me to do there. If you have identified yourself as police, I'll walk out calmly. But if you've identified yourself as police, why are we now ramming the door in? The reality is all of this could be cleared up if these officers were telling the truth. But after two separate investigations, it looks as if they are not. That's why they're being charged. And you know what could prove it? The body cam footage. But they randomly, for some strange reason, went into a supposed drug dealer's house and didn't want to have a video record documenting what they're saying. That's no, they all the way wrong. And so as it relates to the turning off the cameras, mm -hmm. do you think the police officers wanted to fire their weapons or, or what's the motivation for them? Not they're going to a woman's apartment, some because my understanding is they executed no knock warrants at mm -hmm. these other locations mm -hmm. that were more dangerous and no one got hurt where the actual people, and again, this is on the same night as the Breonna Taylor, but again, they're turning off their cameras to what end? Because they plan on shooting somebody? Well, that's anything that I would say at that point would be speculative. The reality is we don't know. The only thing, the only thing that we would know is, if, is what we saw. That is the entire purpose of body cam footage. And that vague, uh, neutral, you, my word against your things, no. And it would have been left at my word against yours had not the Department of Justice followed through with this for over a year to check into if these guys were lying or not. The, the reality is, I want a police officer, when I have an engagement with law enforcement, I more than likely have a firearm on me. Everybody knows it. I want absolute footage of every single thing that went on in that space. Because if you put my life in imminent danger unnecessarily, your uniform does not give you the right to do that. Now, do I think that they anticipated, again, this is my assumption, I wasn't there, and there's no footage. Do I think that they went in there to say, we're gonna shoot some black people tonight? Absolutely not, I don't think that's the case. I think that they may have thought they were gonna go rob a drug dealer, so we're gonna lie about getting the affidavit, and if there are some drugs in there, maybe we will arrest this guy. But again, that's speculative. We have standard operational procedure for a reason. As a firearms owner, as a protector of my house, I have a standard operational procedure. There's cameras, there's uh, a security, there's all of these different things. If someone breaks past all of that, I have a plan of action. That standard operational procedure is, the police have been called, I know that you are in our home, we are armed, 
please leave. And there's going to be recording of me saying that. No different than when officers execute a regular traffic stop or when they execute a bunch of other warrants. They just want a recording of what happened so I can prove what said happened. But magically, when you don't do this for whatever reason, it's your word against the other person's and then an investigation finds out the other. There's no reason to turn your body cam footage off at all. I want to be seen unless I don't want to be seen. And if I don't want to be seen, and if I have to be able to stand up to the scrutiny of people saying, what are you doing that you do not want to be seen about? They're not private citizens at that point relaxing in their home because I don't want to be seen in my home. But they are agents of the state that has a, sta a standard operational procedure that they broke. And this, and, and again, this is a separate federal investigation. And this isn't overkill because they chose not to arrest the other officers that was riding with it because clearly these guys thought you got this affidavit on legitimate, you know, uh, uh, honest uh, means. And that's not the case. So those guys aren't responsible. As, as far as them shooting, it's quite natural if you start someone starts shooting at you, especially if you're part of the crew that thinks this is a legitimate uh, no knock raid. If someone starts shooting at you, you you're probably going to shoot back. I wouldn't have shot. I think they shot over 30 shots into the department, right? They clearly didn't have a 20. Clearly 22 is 20. what I read. 22? 22. Even if it was yeah. 10. If it's 10, it becomes a what exactly are you shooting at? Then that means you're no better at shooting and tactics than the guy in the house shooting in the dark. So they Well, they you may not be. Again, there there's probably some cops that aren't don't shoot as well as you or anybody and particularly in the dark the best point you made that i've never heard that was like an aha moment for me because one, one thing that I, I do believe particularly as it relates to drug police and policing the drug deal is real hard to identify the good guys and the bad guys mm -hmm. they can all be bad guys and, mm -hmm. and i'm talking about even the good guys can be bad guys there's so much money to be made in policing drugs and, and again, the, the point you made about, hey, perhaps the motivation for turning the cameras off is because, you know, we're going to turn in some of the money we find, we're going to turn in some of the drugs we find, but maybe not all of them. And because, and again, I, I've, I've seen this in real life and I've seen it depicted in pop culture that like when, when you're risking your life as a police officer and you have to satisfy yourself with a $80,000 a year paycheck or a $90,000 a year paycheck, and you're risking your life, you're taking the same risk as the drug dealer who's risking his life, and perhaps he's making 80,000 a week. Eventually, you want to dip your hand into that till and even things out a little bit more. And so that is an excellent point that I've never heard anyone make. And it's it's an aha moment for me. The point, many of the things I have been arguing for the past few years have been like, hold on, man. I've had a gun pulled on me twice. I haven't been shot at, but I've had a gun pulled on me twice. Yeah. And so, I'll just say this: if I ever get shot, and you hear about me returning fire, I don't want anybody second guessing me on how many bullets I fired in return. So now, when I hear yeah. that that cop got shot, I don't care if it was 20, if it was two, if it was 202. I've yeah. been shot, I'm gonna unload everything that I have in return. So, and now here's the part that I, I agree with there too. 
There's a thing in the sympathetic nervous system um, where if especially if you don't train often, right? Um, cortisol dumps, stress, the, what the hypothalamus pr- produces, peptides, all of this stuff, adrenaline. These things impact your life, especially if you don't train in high stress scenarios. So sometimes, you know, citizens at law enforcement, whatever, we practice force on force scenario training as well, like CQB. Um, some of the, sometimes these are in shoot houses with extremely loud music under high levels of stress. You may have somebody do uh, 25 push-ups, a bunch of jumping jacks to get their heart rate elevated and then throw different terms at them so they can fail in that shoot house because when they're in the real scenario, they want to match the level of what as much as possible. You want to match that level of what, again, that, those cortisol dumps will do. Why am I saying this? If you're a firearms uh, owner or a law enforcement officer in that scenario and you're used to people just doing what you say and complying, and if you run into a scenario that you do not train for, that sympathetic nervous system will have you go, 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 go. Sometimes guys won't even remember what happened. Sometimes there are times where people will remember everything moving extremely slow. So the training is not adequate. So when this argument of defund the police on one level, I understood the concept but it's not really the answer. The answer is law enforcement should have more force on force training, especially the guys that are doing that particular job. Now that's a shorter part of the answer, but a bigger overall solution is maybe we shouldn't be having a war on drugs. Maybe if you can't get a law, if you can't find a bad guy, that that guy, clearly we already got him on tape, let's catch him when he's at the grocery store. Maybe that's a different level of policing that we're not putting American citizens, including the law enforcement officers, lives in jeopardy. That's a reality check. Only only thing I would say, only thing I would say about that, because I have been anti-drug war for 30 years. Yeah. And and had family heavily involved in the drug game, both as users and dealing. Mm -hmm. And again, why are my favorite TV show? But the reality is we've we've seen communities and cities go the other direction. Hey, we're not going to we're not going to police drugs. And and we have San Francisco and we just did a whole show yesterday on that. And so this whole anti-drug war movement has gone too far to where we just think, well, just let everybody do drugs and let's we can capture them later and blah, blah, blah. Well, and again, it's just like the message of the wire and just things I've seen firsthand again. The, the drug game drops too many bodies not to be policed heavily the, the, and aggressively. The drug game drops If there was no people. violence, or, if there wasn't violence associated to the dealing of drugs, there would be a lot less policing of the drug deal, of, of am, the drug I, culture and drug. I am of the belief that the violence is because of the policing. So for example, you bring up the wire. This is a nonviolent, generally a nonviolent transaction. That's what drug dealing is. When I buy liquor at the bar, right, the violence for uh, liquor was more when prohibition was in in position. Okay, when you got countries like and I'm, I'm always hesitant about using other countries because I don't live in those other countries, but I'm still objective. Right. And do they have our gun laws? Right. When you have countries like Portugal who drops hard, you know, drugs. We're not chasing you, but also don't ask us for help. We're not using our tax dollars to help you if you're addicted to it. And we're also not going to chase you. 
Portugal's violent crime drops damn near 80% in less than two years. So when you give the example of The Wire in Amsterdam, where there was an open air market, it's like, listen, you guys can sell the drugs. We don't want the bodies. If there's no fighting over turf because this turf is valuable because the police aren't onto it yet, so I might have to kill you for that particular turf. If you remove that, the underground market damn near disappears. This is like Econ 101. And you have and San so- Francisco. Now, let's go with the San Francisco scenario, or let's even give Philly. I drove past Kensington, and, and, and which is the world's largest open-air drug market currently where I live in Philadelphia. We're not saying that a person should be slovenly and outside and doing the drugs right outside. That's a different thing. That now turns into an issue of property rights. The people that are in front of those that in front of those homes and businesses, those property owners get a right to say, you can't do that here. Period. Get get off of my property. Do that in the confines of your own home. So coming back to the Breonna Taylor conversation, if this person has drugs in the privacy of their home, they're not outside. They're not shooting up in the middle of the street. They're not damaging property. They're not urinating or other things in the middle of God knows where. What does the American government, local, state or federal, what does that have to do? That is their freedom to be as dumb as they choose to. One of the facts related to the Breonna Taylor deal is that one of her former boyfriends or whatever, there was a dead body found in a car connected to Breonna Taylor or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, again, there's bodies involved here. Again, Portugal, I don't know their their gun laws or whatever, but we're Mm -hmm. a heavily armed nation. You drop drugs into that. You put us, you know, we're, we border Mexico and the drug cartels. Violence is a big part of the drug game here in America. I, I, this is, I, I can sit here and just go it, chapter and verse. I got a, a buddy that I played uh, football with. Uh, should I say Javon's name? Smoke <laughs> killed by the, the Dominican cartel in Fort Dang. Wayne, Indiana. And yeah. so uh, it, it, it just, violence, is a part of the drug game here in America, it has to be policed. It, de- it and, doesn't, and it doesn't, doesn't when have it's to not be. policed, and I look at, and again, when I, if I could even just look at my own family, where, mm-hmm. again, I've seen what drugs do to people I love, mm-hmm. and it's just not pretty. It, it's not a harmless or victimless crime. No, I think, I think, I think the, violence associated with anything. Violence exists. What we have to ask ourselves as America is, are we okay with more militarization of our local communities that sometimes lead to these unfortunate outcomes, more so than we want people to have the freedom to do what they want? If heroin was legal tomorrow, we know what heroin does, right? If heroin was legal tomorrow, most of the viewers would not just go get on heroin. They would not just go sell heroin. Now, here's the other thing. We have a kind of almost like a chicken or the egg conversation because the question becomes, is the drug game violent because of the lack of turf and the violence and taking turf and money and so forth and so on? Right. Or is it inherently there and the police, you know, have to be there to cut to mitigate it? The reality is, if that's the answer, the police are failing horribly at it. They are. The drug, you know, th- th- this. OK, so I wouldn't what's... say the police are failing horribly. I would say their bosses, the politicians. Mm-hmm. are failing horrible. The police do what they're told by politicians. And so I, I'm, I'm very reluctant to scapegoat police 
uh, because they're just soldiers doing what they're told. They don't make a lot of money. The people making a lot of money off the drug game are connected to Big Pharma, and they're making millions upon millions of dollars uh, convincing America that the mm -hmm. solution to every problem is a it's pill. Drugs. Either yeah. is, is, is some sort of, and you can either get it from the man off the corner or you can get it from Pfizer, but this yeah. will fix your problem. And so yeah. this whole culture we've created, the tolerance, the embrace of drugs to me, and again, like the people like really, really making money off of it are named Nancy Pelosi and some Republican politicians that I can't come up with the name of right now, but, but they're the biggest dope dealers. The NFL, all the TV networks that are dependent upon Pfizer 100%. and all that. So it, 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 it's, but, but, anyway. But the question, 100%, but the question becomes, those guys somehow were sanctioned and okay to sell their drugs, but if you got folks that like me that used to make some money, you know, selling some weed, I was taking football life chances for selling some tree, and now even that's legal. The problem here, again, to your point of one, it being the leaders and the legislation, so forth and so on, the moral decay, the legality of something and the morality of something are two completely different things. As well as I'm not gonna just let all police off the hook in that regard. I cannot give you the pass because you're following a morally incorrect, you know, uh, incorrect or unjust law. I can't like I can't give them that pass. Police officers are supposed to take an oath to the Constitution. The founding fathers had hemp farms, which are drugs. Ben Franklin was wild with the drugs. I'm not saying that it's morally OK. And I'm not saying that we should be teaching our young people to absolutely use drugs. No, I'm saying you should stay as drug free as possible because it's horrendous for your life. I'm talking about where that intersection where are we militarizing and doing things that allows law enforcement to get blank checks and be some, so confident in so much that we're going to cover our body cams, we're going to lie about things, we're going to violate Fourth Amendment rights of American citizens, and unfortunately that can end up in law enforcement officers and sometimes innocent citizens dying. That's that question that we got to ask ourselves and how we balance that out a little bit more, while I think we should say, yo, don't do drugs, man. Meditate. If you if you associate a, a, a endorphin uh, boost from jogging or getting some cardio in or lifting some weights, these things have shown the brain chemically reacting the same way. You have the most powerful drug system in your that hypothalamus is real. Get our people to tap into those things that are natural drugs that boost your uh, immune system, boost your health and things of that nature. But that's a moral question. And that moral question sh uh, should not be in a space where we're forcing people that don't view that moral question the same as we do to be subjugated to going to prison and breaking up families. If we don't, if, if, the, if the Democrats are crying about breaking up families at the border, then Joe Biden should be apologizing to every black family that he sent to jail over his tenure, 50 years or so, for mostly nonviolent drug offenses. I'm not talking about these violent guys. If you use a firearm to harm anyone, you are not my friend and I want you to go immediately to jail. But this is such a nuanced conversation that I want, I want to challenge the listeners to, are we having a moral discussion or are we having a legal discussion? And these are the things that we have to really unpackage when we're having this conversation about our freedoms in America. Maj, you do good work. This may be your best work. I appreciate <laughs> the conversation. Uh, we'll reconvene next week. Uh, good job.
Uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, Shamika Michelle, make it make sense. Next. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for uh, Shamika Michelle to make it make sense. Shamika, I saw this video of a mother, I think, defending her child in a store. And I was like, I got to call uh, my mother on this show, the First Lady of Fearless. And, and by the way, Shamika, I, I'm, you have to tone it down. You look too good today. You got to tone it. You, you're, you. you're an absolute distraction right now. You look way too good. If you had your afro going, I, I would I would probably just kick you off the show today because you you just look too good and no one's gonna hear a word you say because they're gonna be in. I'm sorry, I'm probably bordering on uh, getting myself in trouble. So let me move on to let me move on to this video of of this mother protecting her child in the store. Let's let's play the clip. Bitch, I ain't playing with you. You know, I almost want to bring Maj back and have that drug conversation all over again, because this is what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> that, 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 that can't be normal human behavior. That has to be drug inspired. Uh, can you make that make any sense for me? What is this woman doing other than going through drug convulsions? 
So Jason, I want to share something with you. This is from Instagram and hashtags. Hashtag Black Queen has 3.1 million posts. Hashtag Black King, 407,000. Hashtag Black Girl Magic, 32.9 million. Hashtag Black Boy Magic, 357,000. Hashtag, get this Jason, 1.1 million. That is more than double Black Queen, and I mean Black King, and more than triple Black Boy Magic. And of course, you have to factor in the, the demographics of Instagram, which they say 50.7% uh, is men, 49.3% are women. So it's pretty fairly even. Of course, you have to factor in age difference and all of that. I say all of that to say this, Jason. Almost every day we hear black women being referred to as queens. We praise the matriarchy. We say that uh, the future is feminine. We have made black women the undisputed leaders of the black community. We, we praise them. We give them all of these accolades. But yet you have to ask, why are they so angry? Why do they wear this false sense of strength, which we, we call strength, but it's really nastiness from the PhDs to the RHDs, ratchet hood demons. And, and we, we say this is strength. We say this is beautiful. We can't correct this. I personally feel like black women are so angry because we're out of order and it's not natural to, to stand toe to toe to a man. Psychologists say that when you see anger, the underlying thing is actually fear. So as black women, what are we afraid of? Are we afraid we're gonna die alone? Are we afraid we're gonna work our fingers to the bone because we said, I don't need a man? Are we afraid that when these kids get out of line, we have no one to call because we ran the man off. He didn't commit to us, we didn't require it, so he didn't commit to the kids and no one's there. What are we afraid of? We are afraid and we're displaying it as anger because we bought into feminism hook, line, and sinker. So when you see all of these examples of black women just being angry and black women acting up, we see it every day. But we have made black women feel they can do this. They're untouchable. There's no correction. To have the amount of hashtags that we have just praising black women and then nothing for black men, I think is a perfect example of the foolishness that's going on. And the anger is really fear. And I understand why, why black women are afraid and showing anger. When you walk around every day like your shit don't stink, but you got to stand in the mirror and look at a liar, that's enough to make you mad. I can't do any better than that. I don't think you can either, so I'm gonna let you go. Uh, great job, uh, have an awesome weekend. If you go out of the house looking like that, I hope you're carrying a gun, because you're gonna have to fight them off with one. All right, uh, support conservative voices. Subscribe to Blaze TV at getblazetv.com slash fearless and get $10 off your yearly subscription. Uh, Delano Squires, Professor D.
right, let's roll out uh, to Washington, D.C. and uh, end the show uh, on our strongest note, Professor uh, Delano Squires. He, I, I, we call him Professor D. He's not a professor. He's a husband, father, uh, but the smartest man on the show. Uh, and he's written another uh, terrific column. Man, I meant to have this called up when... Uh, uh, it's about monkeypox and how monkeypox is the new uh, don't say gay. And there are some genius uh, lines in here. Uh, let me just read one, uh, maybe two, that made me laugh out loud. Uh, Promiscuous sex is one aspect of gay culture the left is loath to discuss publicly. Journalists bend over backwards to not offend men who lack the discipline to stop bending over forward for random men at sex parties. Uh, that's uh, Delano channeling his inner Shamika Michelle, and I love it when that happens, and it leaps onto the page and makes me laugh out loud. Uh, and then he ends his column with, uh, we need more leaders willing to discuss abstinence with adults and fewer teachers trying to talk about gender identity and sexuality with toddlers. The people who need to hear gay most, uh, most right now are men in the bathhouse, not children in the schoolhouse. Boom, he stuck the landing. Uh, Delano, uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, go ahead and expand, expound on the column you wrote today. Sure, thank you, Jason. Um, so I, I wrote the column because, you know, everybody's heard about the, the monkeypox outbreak. I think the president just uh, declared a national emergency, uh, public health emergency around it. And the, the, there's a stark contrast between how the left and particularly the public health authorities, politicians, journalists are dealing with this public health emergency as opposed to, you know, with COVID. And I, I was reading a, a Washington Post article yesterday and they were talking about how, you know, a lot of, again, the public health officials are afraid to even tell gay men to reduce their number of partners at these, you know, sex parties, at saunas, bathhouses, kink festivals. And, and it, it's just, again, the, the difference is so stark. They were telling us we couldn't see our family, you couldn't see loved ones for holidays, you couldn't visit your, you know, dying mom in the hospital. And they're afraid to tell gay men that Yo, hey guys, let, let's just chill out on the piss orgies for a couple of for a couple of months. So it, it was one of those things where the media is clearly afraid to say gay as it relates to this disease. Now again, I, I noted in in the in the piece that they do acknowledge that this virus has overwhelmingly impacted you know gay men or or as they like to say men who have sex with men, but their overriding impulse is one where they want to minimize stigma as opposed to dealing truthful, truthfully about the, the disease. And, and one of the things I said, and you you quoted it, the, the, the stigma here, right, and this is bigger than monkeypox. This, this is really about um, how we deal with the issue, all, anything around LGBT issues. The stigma here is in the behavior. When you have men, right, who cannot control themselves to the point where they are having random sex encounters with guys they, they don't even know. They've never met, they can't, sometimes they can't see them in, in bathhouses, in public bathrooms, at, at sex parties, orgies. The, the stigma should be that behavior, not the fact that somebody tells you to cool it for a couple of minutes on that behavior. And, and I, I, I quoted Romans, uh, Romans 1, where it talked about God giving 
uh, the, the disobedient over to their lustful desires where men exchange the natural use of their bodies for, for unnatural uses, right? And, and men inflamed with passions for one another. Um, so th- like th- this is biblical. This is not something that just happened in San Francisco, you know, in the 1840s. But I also want to make clear that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is enough to save even those men. So if they would repent and believe and turn away from that behavior, they can find eternal life as well. So I, I wanted to, to touch on those issues, but primarily it was to say, look, the, the, the left, the public health officials, the politicians are completely scared of the LGBT community. They, they can't speak to them honestly, they treat them like children and they uh, aim all of their scorn and their disdain at us, the, the normals, and they treat them with kid gloves. The, the, the piece gets at the bigger truth that we have going on uh, in this society is that there's a hostility towards truthfulness and honesty. And it, it rears its head in all these sneaky ways that we think, oh, let's be empathetic. We don't want to yeah. stigmatize people. And, and again, it's like, we can't even have an honest discussion because here's the thing as it relates to monkeypox and there's nobody that's heterosexual that I know that is sitting around going, glad it's happening to the gays, good. Right, no one's right. thinking that. But the reality is we can't even have an honest discussion about, uh, and, and this goes beyond monkeypox, just the whole gay marriage, everything like, Men have a different sexual drive than women. And, and we can't even be real about it. It's like when a man gets aroused, his IQ, his thinking goes into the toilet. Again, I can, I'm testifying to what happens to me. I'm testifying what happens to guys that I know and the way, you know, the behavior and all that. And so we're sitting around thinking that two men can get together in a monogamous relationship. I just, I just don't see that. You're putting two irrational people together who, when their organs get inflamed, they, they just don't think rationally, they don't act responsibly. And that's what's always bothered me about like, this same sex marriage thing is like, oh, oh so we really think two men are going to get together and behave responsibly as it relates to sex, it, it, it's, it's an impossibility. And so now we can't even talk about the irrational, irresponsible, immoral behavior of two men or groups of men who like to participate in, in sex. We can't even talk about it. And again, that's why I was glad you, you got at it very honestly and, and put it in everyone's face like, these guys are going to sex parties and, and, and bending over for each other and they don't even know each other. And we think this is normal and some sort of behavior that needs to be protected, it's not. Right. J- Jason, one of my um, you know, favorite pastors to listen to as it relates to assessing cultural issues is, is a pastor named Doug Wilson, right? He's up in Moscow, Idaho. Um, he's Chuck Knox's pastor. And, and he, he says this, he, it's a perfect phrase to encapsulate what you're talking about. He said, testosterone does things, right? So the, that, 
that hormone that we have coursing through our bodies is not neutral, right? And it's not just there so that we can grow nice beards and, and, and you know, lift weights. Like it, it does things and, and it does impact one's sex drive. So as you said, when you put two men together, right? Who neither of whom has any sense of restraint, right? Which is different than sometimes you, you put a man and a woman together whose bodies are made for each other, fit for each other and whose um, sex acts primary purpose is reproduction so that when that reproduction actually takes place, it, it changes the woman's sort of uh, body chemistry and, and you know, obviously if she's pregnant and all, all, everything that goes along with that. You don't have that with two men. So when you put these guys together, right, and, and, and then I, as I read and I'm doing more research and I'm light research because I'm not trying to get certain things on my browser, I'm seeing puppy play, piss orgies, uh, you know, group sex in, in saunas and bathrooms. It honestly, Jason, and there's no other way to say it, it's animalistic in its nature. It's uh, look, see, smell, hump. That, that, that's sort of the, the, the pathway. And it's one of those things where we're, we're so afraid of offending people that we can't even speak honestly about these types of things. Now, and, and we've done it when, it when it relates to, to you know, heterosexual, you know, uh, uh, festivals. I, I know in my youth, I used to hear people talk about going to Freak Nick and so on and so forth and all the, the issues that that would cause for the cities that was being held in. But when it comes to the LGBT community, there's a certain restraint that has to be, uh, that, that the left demands that we use when addressing these things. So for me, it's, it's not to beat up on anybody. It's not to say, oh, look at that, that's, that's disgusting. Even though I, I did say it, it, it is a form of degradation because the, the scriptures say that, that these men are engaging in an unnatural use of their bodies. But it's to say, look, this is what's going on. These things are so common that people don't even mind writing them or, or addressing them in public. I, I mentioned San Francisco in the article and it talked about, you know, whether you're into leather or kink and, uh, and we want you to have a fun and filthy weekend. That's the type of stuff that's coming out from our city leaders. But if I said I want to spend Thanksgiving with my mom, my dad, you know, in, in 2020 or 2021, then they would have said I'm a bad person. So at a certain point, we have to be honest about these things and we have to get back to um, assessing life from God's perspective on the natural, moral, and social order, right? You can't get, nature has a nature. And, and there's a reason that God designed the world the way that he did. And we, we're constantly hitting our head on the wall because we are trying to use the, the thing that he created in a way that's contrary to the way he created it. So he gave, he gave us a rule book, he gave us an instruction manual in the scripture, and we keep saying, no, I know better than God. L let me try to bring two men or two women together and then figure out why, you know, th th we have depopulation. No, I, I, we, we can make it work. So, so yeah, Jason, it, it's, it's one of those things where it defies logic, but defying logic is the, is the left's, you know, hallmark and calling card at this point. And, and so I, I want to hammer one final point, get your reaction to it, and I'm going to let you go. Uh, it has an impact, and the reason why Delano's writing about this, why we're talking about it, is like the impact of these cultural norms and standards, it impacts all of us. Those of us that 
are heterosexual or impacted by this as well because when they set the bar at, hey, uh, the promiscuous kink festival that's going on in San Francisco, you can't talk about it, you can't talk in negative ways about it, you, you can't, you're homophobic, you're a terrible person if you discuss the ramifications of this type of immoral behavior among gay men or gay people. And so if that's the bar, that's why so many heterosexual people are like, well, hold on. If, if, if the line is at the kink fest and that's not over the line, me, Jason Whitlock, going to a strip club and trying to bang some 21-year-old, 22-year-old, <laughs> that's not nearly as bad as uh, what they're doing at kink fest. And so <laughs> it impacts all of us. And so the... Right. the the immorality and the promiscuous sex and the negative ramifications that maybe aren't monkeypox, maybe it's hepatitis C, maybe it's gonorrhea, maybe it's all the unwed births. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, we can't, we've just normalized, those are nothing in compared to monkeypox and HIV, so let's don't even discuss it. And so there's a trickle down immorality that is impacting all of us that we never discuss. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really great point, Jason. And uh, I, I agree with you 100 percent. Right. The, the heterosexual people have their own, you know, issues with immorality that we need to deal with. Right. Our addiction to porn and the, the strip clubification of of our, of our culture, uh, the glorifying. I, I talked on Tuesday about junkie pox, the glorifying of people like Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion who who engage in you know acts of, of overt sexuality f for money in public, all of those are issues, and and they all spring from the same root. When when you get outside of God's design for sex, which is within the bounds of of a, a, a covenant marriage between one man and one woman, you're you're on the road to to destruction. So, I, I agree with you 100% there. But I'll say there are two other ways that this is, impacts the culture. One, when when you're far extreme is kink fests and puppy play in the middle of the street. What it ends up doing is pulling everyone to the left, which is why you see 47 you know, House Republicans who vote to codify same-sex marriage, because everyone's perspective on this issue has been pulled to the left over the last generation. And then the other thing that it does, and this is probably where, where I, I try to hammer him, you know, most uh, uh, precisely, is that it empowers the LGBT community and, and activists and allies to say, this is why we need to put this stuff in schools. So that kids who have these feelings at regards to whatever age can feel comfortable expressing them. This is why we need to have kink at pride festivals where children are present. This is why we need to have uh, uh, kid-friendly drag shows. This is why we need to have drag kids in their own TV shows on Discovery or whatever other ch channel. This is why we introduce transgenderism to kids early on. This is why we do double mastectomies and, and, and chemical castration and surgical castration, right? So this is not just about the, the individual behavior of two people. The people who were pushing that lie when it came to Obergefell and even before that, or what does is, what is two guys getting married have to do with you, have been proven completely wrong. Our culture has been changed forever. 
and now two-year-olds are getting indoctrinated to, to, to pride parades on, on, on Nickelodeon. So unless we are willing to, to speak the truth in love, rooted in a Christian sexual ethic, no one even, uh, Jason, we don't even know where this is going to go. Well, we know because we, we talk about it, right? The silent P. But even once they normalize a silent P, like what comes after that, right? Is it two men who rent a woman's womb to produce a designer baby that they raise explicitly for the purpose of, of sexually exploiting? I have no idea. But I'm, I'm not going to say anything is out of the question because I never thought in the year of our Lord, 2022, that I would see people saying, that the, or for instance, the mayor of the largest city in this country, right, saying that we need we need drag queens in every school reading to our kids. I never thought I'd see people like, you know, AOC saying that drag queens are, are patriots or seeing pictures of a, a little child, no older than three years old, standing outside of a cage where a man in, in a leather mask, like, like you know, is, is trapped in the cage like a, like a dog, right? This is the type of stuff that you see online every single day and at a certain point, People are going to need to stand up and say enough is enough. Hate me if you want. Call me a homophobe. Call me a transphobe. Call me a bigot. That's fine. And particularly as a black man, say that I'm selling out. Say this is uh, I'm upholding white supremacy. But Jay said, you know what? I'd rather be a coon than an idiot. And I'm not about to feed my children into the devil's mouth for anybody. So they can say whatever they want. But I'm not going around. I'm not going over. I'm not going under. I'm going through. Uh, that's it and that's all. Uh, I can't top that. Let's play tomorrow and we'll see you next week. My sister, no relation, we all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seed when we all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want